What's poppin' fam? Welcome to Don't Touch My Mindset, a podcast that is designed to uplift, inspire, and motivate you, and most importantly, share tools to help you protect that mindset. Super excited to be back with you on another, 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 in my DJ Khaled voice, another one, another Amplify Speaker Series highlight. And, you know, if you didn't catch last week's, go back, listen to Devin. I cannot wait to have that fireside conversation with him. But this week, this week, we're moving right back in alignment and right down the speaker lineup with Abby Lee. Now, Abby Lee, guys, she is the owner of HodgePodge Health, where she specializes in breath work. She specializes in nervous system healing, coaching, really just ultimately helping you find your ultimate version of health and healthy. What does that look like for you? We got Abby here on the show. Abby, how are you? Welcome. Thank you for coming on. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Jay. I'm so excited to be here today. Um, today, I booked it so nicely. Today's 365 days alcohol free. So I love to celebrate by being on the podcast. <laughs> so I'm really excited to be here and just like kind of talk about what I what I do. Yeah, that that, that makes me so, so, so excited. So um, if this is your first time listening to the show, a big part of my story is that I'm almost seven years alcohol free, right? And I actually met Abby through uh, some work that we were doing together as we we're both independent contractors for an app called Reframe that specializes in helping you change your relationship with alcohol, right? Abby brought her specialties, I brought my specialty, and we actually ended up co-hosting one of the larger meetings on a Tuesday there virtually, and that's how we met. Right. And so it is really cool to have you on this show when you're 365 days, one year alcohol free. That's that's a huge celebration. Big win, big win. First and foremost, kind of if we're if we're gonna stay in that pocket, right? What's the biggest lesson you've learned over this last year? Oh, my biggest lesson that I've learned this past year, and it's something that I I, I scream from the rooftops, is that um better does not mean easier. When we're looking at uh, whether it's being alcohol free, whether it's exercise and nutrition, whether it's any type of whole health, um, you know, living your life, living a better life doesn't mean living an easier life. Um, I think I like I held my breath for like definitely at least the first 90 days thinking like, when is my life going to get better? And within the first 90 days, I left my job and didn't have a job lined up. I was in a car accident and almost died. Um, like my life was, oh, I went through a breakup. Um, the, that was 90 days being sober. I was like, when does it get easy? And I'm like, easy is not, better and easy aren't the same things. And it was getting better all the time. So I love that you said that. And I love that that's the number one lesson that you've learned over this past year, that better does not mean easier. Because I honestly, when I say when it comes to growth, when it comes to personal growth, there is no easy. There's fast and there's fast and successful, 
or they're slow and difficult. And either both ways are not going to be easy, right? And like I'd rather take a well-systemized approach to my growth and that's what I've learned over the years but better definitely does not mean easier and when we want to get better 10 times we have to go uphill but the problem is is that we have downhill habits and so we're always falling ourselves downhill right we want to go uphill but we have downhill habits so it's it's always that struggle to get to better right and I love that you experienced that in the first 90 days because that's something that I'm huge with right is focus on something for 90 days focus on it. it doesn't matter what the outside world is doing but 90 days get to focus on it but you know this this podcast could easily go for an hour abby why don't you tell people who you are and what you do in your own words why, why don't you why don't you introduce yourself to the people uh so i i run hodgepodge health and the reason i call it hodgepodge health is um i think that the the solution for you for wholeness for like i i say find your way whole um it's within you like you your body knows the way whole you have experienced it before and you can experience it again and you are the master of that and in just like our medical system and society we look so outward for the solution for someone to um fix it or come up with the pill or come up with the quick fix like if i get sober then everything's gonna be easier my life's gonna be fixed all done um without recognizing you know you the best and so i think coaching gave me that unique perspective um of you know you the best so i can combine those skills with all of my background as a recreational therapist as a breathwork facilitator as a laughter yoga leader to hodgepodge together the solution to your best life, to your best health, to your nervous system wholeness. That's good. That's good. And so take us back to before the coaching, take us back to before, you know, you discovered your wholeness, your version of healthy, your, you know, Hodge before Hodgepodge came into existence. When did you know that you were unhealthy? I, I don't know that I necessarily use the words like healthy and unhealthy i think i'm i'm more like when i learned i was misaligned mm. um i became misaligned in my nervous system when i was seven okay. uh, so i got bitten by a tick and had untreated lyme disease um in alabama they love to say we don't have lyme disease here but that's because they refuse to report it <laughs> um and so when something like that goes untreated on your system the long-term effects some of them I don't think I'll ever recover from. And and I'm okay with that. I've coped with that and I've, I've um, come to peace with that. But so much of it was me finding my way against the medical system that, I mean, people told my parents that when I was, I had to use a wheelchair full time, they said that might just be as good as it gets. Like that might just be as good as she ever gets. And I knew that that wasn't true. Like I could feel it in my body. I knew that there was a way out of this. And I mean, it took years. I went, I mean, hospitalization after hospitalization, doctor after doctor. I saw doctors in like probably at least seven states um, just to, to find something that worked and, and their solutions helped. Um, but really the key factor was like bringing my own knowledge into it. And now I am free from all but one medication I have graduated college, I own my own company, I work full-time, I travel full-time, and at one point they didn't think I would even graduate high school. Um, wow. Wow. 
talk about overcoming talk about resilience talk about being able to actually build a future out of nothing right when everybody else says that there's nothing that they can do or nothing that you can do right or this is as good as it's going to get you're not going to stop that's absolutely remarkable commendable what um how has that shaped you today moving forward going after your dreams growing into the person that you're doing coming to amplify speaking speaking at amplify how has how has that shaped you getting through all of that negativity i think like resilience obviously is the first word that comes to mind but i think my ability to just connect with what whatever people are going through um and it's it's what made me like want to stay in a community space like i could i could package my materials and i could sell them and have very little engagement one-to-one -one with people but that's not how i feel like change is most effective and so i want to show up at things like amplify and get engaged and see people face to face and really disperse this information um yeah and just like build that community of people who know know their bodies and and understand and respect that their their bodies and their version of health it might be different than what everyone around them looks like what do you think the most common myth is when it comes to healing somebody's nervous system or just healing journey you know along your practice that you come up against i think it's a big one that I've had to overcome is that just because you can name your emotion and name the experience you're going through does not mean that you are feeling that emotion or have processed that emotion. So intellectualizing your feelings is not the same as actually working in the body. Um, so that brain body connection, you feel that emotion somewhere in your body. And if you are not connecting the two and doing, um, whether it's movement or just like sitting in that stillness to feel that connection and move that energy out of your body, like it's going to get stuck and you will stay in that cycle of, of misalignment. What are some common practices that you can use that you can use starting off on this journey to heal your nervous system? What is something that somebody at home listening to this could be like, you know what, I want to try to even see how, how do I know if I am at misalignment? The first thing, one of the first exercises I love to do is um, an emotion sensation wheel. So if you Google like emotion sensation wheel, it, it, ta it takes that emotion wheel out one more level and it writes the sensations that you experience when you have a certain emotion. Um, and don't uh, erase that third wheel and build your own. What does that emotion feel like in your body? When you identify, I'm feeling angry, Take that deep breath, close your eyes, take some space to yourself and say, where in my body am I feeling this? Is my throat tight? Do I feel like I want to vomit? Am I getting really hot and flushed? Um, because everyone's body perceives emotions differently. And the more you can tune into, I think that I'm angry. I think that I'm overstimulated and write down what you're feeling, the quicker you'll be able to do that. Because sometimes I would just feel that in my body and I would think it was a symptom I'd be like oh like my you know xyz condition is acting up like no 
the place I'm feeling in my body is my gut. But yes, I have a stomach condition, but it wasn't my stomach condition. Mm. And so being able to differentiate in your body uh, signs of emotions versus signs of there's actually something physically, structurally wrong. Right. Wow. 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 What was that like experiencing the first time, you know, actually recognizing, naming, and feeling your emotions versus your stomach condition, right? If it, if you had this anger coming through your gut, like how, like how did you learn to differentiate that? Like, like really to tap into that? I think the first feeling was awful <laughs> because um, it, I already had this, this so much doubt about my medical conditions of like, I was told so many times, like I was faking it and it's hard because valid medical conditions can exist at the same time that I also feel anxiety in my gut. And so having to, um, acknowledge the two and say that I experienced real and true medical crisis and medical conditions while also understanding the impact my emotions have on my body. It felt like relinquishing a lot of control over my story um, and having to rebuild my hesitancy to acknowledge the impact that emotions have on my body. That leads me to this question. If you take away all the trials, the tribulations, if you take away all the successes and the accomplishments, you take away all the titles. Who are you and why are you here? I think that I am, I think I'm just a person. <laughs> like if you take all of that away, I'm just another person. And regardless of successes, triumphs, education, anything, like I deserve wholeness with or without that education, with or without that knowledge, like I deserve that care and love and connect that mind body connection. Um, and I think when you add back that successes, the triumphs, the education, it puts me in a space to acknowledge that right for wholeness in every single person. Wow. That one, that's absolutely beautiful, beautifully said. Now building on top of that, why do you leave? I lead I don't want to necessarily say because it's like a, it's not like a sense of duty it's like a sense of deep care um, I've never seen leadership as a hierarchy like it's never been a position that I like desire I'm not like I want to be at the top of the food chain I've always wanted to be in it with people I've never seen someone struggling and said I want to tell them what to do I've seen people struggling and I said, I want to help take that load off their back or teach them how to carry it better um, and be right there alongside them. And so I think that I have from this deep sense of care has grown this business to be like, I have the ability and the privilege of this knowledge and this experience that I can then disperse. No, that's, that's so good. And I love that of actually being in the trenches and that's what a good leader exudes, right? It's being next to the people that follow, being next to the people that actually look for your teachings, your principles and things like that. If you had to put your top 
three core values on record, what would they be? My top three core values. You caught me at a good time because I have my journal and I do a values clarification very frequently. Talk to me about that too. I want to know what that (laughs) means. What is a values clarification? Ah, so values clarification, um, it is literally when you sit down and you, there's different exercises, but I like one that it has you sort these cards or these value words into different categories, which is doesn't matter, matters some, matters most. You then take the matters most column and you narrow it down to 10. From that 10, you rank them in order of importance. Your values are gonna change. Um, They're gonna rotate. So I do values clarification, like I would say at least two times a year, if not quarterly. Um, to say like, what, what, where is my heart? What am I moving towards? What do I need to prioritize? And the top three, um, as of my most recent values clarification were harmony, genuineness, and openness. Now, let me get a little bit deeper, go into the why behind those. What are the, what are the behaviors that support those? What is exuding yeah. from you right now to help you get that crystal clear that these are my values? Right? So harmony for me is it's the peace and balance within myself, but also like within my relationships with other with other people, with the environment. Um, harmony for me is like the underlying motivator for like why I'm involved in social justice, mm-hmm. why I'm involved in ecological justice and like welfare of other people. Like it's harmony. It was so hard for me doing this exercise when the words such as social justice didn't end up in my top 10. I was like, oh my God, I'm a bad person. (laughs) And then I'm defining what harmony means to me. And I'm like, harmony is the reason that I want wellness for everybody, Uh, to be well with each other, to be well with themselves, to be well with the world. Um, And then I think that can really only come from these other two ideas of genuineness and openness. So coming to a place 100% as yourself, this authenticity, this genuineness, um, showing up as you and like being open to feedback on that. Um, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just being yourself and then having that openness, that last key value of mine um, to acknowledge feedback. Like I wanna be open to new experiences and new ideas and someone say, Hey, Abby, I think your way of thinking is a little dated or harmful even. Um, You need to check yourself and have that. They had genuineness with me and I need the openness to say, wow, thank you for coming. Like, I'm going to go do more learning or unlearning on that topic. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 Um, So just, just to be, you know, the bad guy's advocate. What do you do when somebody, when you meet somebody who's closed-minded, but you, they refuse to one, admit it, see it, or have the openness of even changing it, right? How do you address that interaction? I think staying in that genuineness and staying in, first off, acknowledging that the idea of harmony doesn't mean that everyone's getting along. <laughs> Come on. Um, harmony allows room for healthy conflict and healthy conflict sometimes means I continue that conversation with someone who's stubborn. Sometimes harmony means I leave that conversation for the benefit of myself and for the benefit of maintaining that relationship. 
So my liberation automatically liberates others simply by my presence. It's like being alcohol free. People start to notice that something's different in you, even if you didn't say that you've been alcohol free. And they're like, how, like, why are you doing so well? What is happening? Like, what, what's your secret? And so my, my knowledge, my presence, my care, my empathy, my openness will, if nothing else, plant a seed that while I may never be able to see grow to fruition in that person who was stubborn and not open to this experience, um, later down the line can be watered and nurtured and grow. And like, I have to be okay with that. What if you have a really, really meaningful connection to the stubborn person? How do you approach that when your values are changing, when you're stepping more into something else and that person isn't? Yeah, so I see this a lot. So I identify as queer and um, I do a lot of work in like LGBTQ spaces and seeing parents, families, friends, like people being resistant to this idea. And first and foremost, I say this all the time in any of my coaching sessions, any of my meetings, is that there are 8, million, 8 billion people in the world and only one of them comes home with you every single day. And so tend to that person first. Even if you love and care deeply for this person, having boundaries, uh, drawing a line, that doesn't mean you love them any less. Sometimes for your own health, for your own well-being, that person in that relationship can no longer be what it was and you have to transform it into something new and there's a grieving process that goes along with that and there is um that ambivalence of like i hate them and i love them that comes along with that and that's okay like some sometimes we just have to accept what we can control like focus on what i can control i can control my reaction i can control how often i interact with this person i can control whether or not they have any access to me at all i can't control their views i could throw a book directly at their head and it's like it's not i i can't insert all of that knowledge in their head and make them do the work yeah yeah wow wow um that's so good and so we have to tend to ourselves first like we have like we it, my my good friend doc doc jacobs he does a phenomenal keynote on filling your fountain if you think of a fountain most fountains have three tiers right you have your top tier your middle tier your bottom tier but the middle tier and the bottom tier don't get filled up unless the top tier is overflowing right and so he says you're that top tier you're the top tier number one priority now we need to fill that up so much that it overflows into your relationships that it overflows into your business that it overflows and so that you operate like yourself into this this mountain so even if you're having a conversation with a stubborn person even if you're up against different worldviews different beliefs whatever it may be fill yourself up with what you need first and then as you overflow the people who are supposed to be around you and who are attracted to you who are meant to be in your life will be filled up as well uh, from a benefit of you being filled up i absolutely love that i want to i want to change directions and shoot some random questions at you okay <laughs> um dope i absolutely love this if your childhood had a smell what would it be Oof. uh if my childhood had a smell what would it be honestly probably my grandmother's bread your grandmother's bread was it unleavened bread it was not unleavened 
Jay. It was a uh, Amish potato flake friendship bread, which we're not Amish. I don't know like why that specifically, um, but she, I was thinking this recently because I made it for Christmas for my uncle and I cried. I felt so connected to her and I recognized the labor of love that this, this bread was and she had it every time we were at her house and sometimes she would make six loaves a day and i'm like how like the starter itself takes like seven days to even begin and then the bread takes like two days and she would always have it are you are you like a hundred percent sure you're not <laughs> i guess i'm not <laughs> I love how you pivoted the question to like something so random and I I I I don't know and I um I mean I guess I think my mom did ancestry. I could ask <laughs> Are we Amish at all? As far as I'm aware, we're German, French, and Irish. Yeah, no, it's um <laughs> yo one, it's beautiful to have that type of revelation from a smell, right? Something that we can tie that back to. That's why I love that question so much. It doesn't matter who you ask that question to, they're gonna have a different answer than the last person that you asked that question to. And you get to know that person just a little bit better and just being able to recognize that care and that labor of love that your grandmother would do and put herself through in order to express that to you. Now you're able to exude that and repeat that through generational practices. And remember that just through a smell, right? And that's gonna live on forever. Um, next question, if you were a pizza topping, what pizza topping would you be? Pineapple. Why? Because not everyone loves me, but I love me. Come on now. Dude. I might be a little controversial. Uh, people might not always stand by it. They might not love it, but like I love me and that's what matters. Look at that. Look at that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Are you a basketball girl or a football girl? I'm not a sports girl. Okay. All right. Or neither. Uh, I would go, if I had to pick a sport, I would pick wheelchair rugby, quad rugby. That sounds like an extreme sport. It is. It, they call it murder ball. It's wow. It's amazing. I've never seen it. Where? What's your favorite team? Um, I like watching it mostly in the Paralympics. Um, so Team USA. There, but there the Shepherd Smash out of Atlanta is also really good. There we go. That's crazy. I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for being on the show today. If you had to leave our listeners with like life-changing advice, one piece of advice that you've gotten that's just gonna help them pivot into a place of healing, into a place of just being better, and a place of amplifying their growth, what would that advice be? I think like to to almost pivot back to this like fountain metaphor is I find so many people in this state of healing that they're like, they put others before themselves. So like they grew up with this mindset of others, you, like everyone else's needs come first. And like, it's my job to serve. And they're like, and I am, I'm giving everyone compassion. And I don't have compassion for myself. And I challenge them because I thought I was having compassion for other people. I thought I was having empathy for other people. And then I learned to love myself. I found compassion and empathy for myself. And I realized how much I was selling other people short. So if you are on this journey to show up your best for others, if you can't do it for yourself, 
know that you can't show up for others in the way that they deserve if you aren't showing yourself compassion. Your compassion and your empathy has a limit and that limit is your self-imposed limit that you offer yourself. And so if you really can't do it for yourself and you want to do it for other people, loving yourself has to happen for you to love other people. Yeah. I, that so wow. That's that's it. That's it. Like honestly, guys, ask yourself this question and you know, as we start off 2024 here, I want you to ask yourself literally who would benefit if I became the best version? Like if I did everything that I said I was going to do, if I if I held every single commitment I said I was going to do, if I held every promise, like who would benefit if I became the best version? And make a list, make a list of three people. And then if you can't do it for yourself that day, do it for them that day. But ultimately you becoming better is going to help them be back, right? Right back to the fountain. Absolutely love that. Abby. Um, can you tell everybody where to reach you, how to contact you if, if there's if your story has resonated with them and they're like, I need I need more of her. Of course she's gonna be at Amplify, guys. She's gonna be at Amplify in Scottsdale, January 26th, 26. We're like three weeks away. I'm super excited about that. I, it, like we're we're like right around the corner. Um, so super excited about that, guys. If you haven't got your tickets, use the show link below, right? Use the show link below. Um, but Abby, how how can people get in touch with you outside of Amplify? Yeah, I'm at Hodgepodge Health on all social medias. Um, and then website will be launching soon, hodgepodgehealth.co, I believe. Not .com, it's already taken. I'm going to fight for it, but we're going to be a .co for a while. Um, and yeah, but on all socials and my email and everything is linked on all my socials and I'll, and I'll respond to messages on there as well. Amazing. Final question. Final question. Let's let's leave them with leave them with the doozy. I saved the best for last. If I offered you the phrase, don't touch my mindset. Uh-huh. What comes to mind? Don't touch my mindset is like nothing is going to nothing's gonna change what I know about me. Like you can say what you want. My dad used to say this all the time when I was a kid. If they said your hair was purple, what, does, does that mean it's true? Is your hair purple? Just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. Don't touch my mindset is like, I will do what I need to do to protect the truths that I know exist. Um, whether those are my four agreements, whether those are my 10 agreements, whatever truth that I have known to be true, that I'm going to do the work and set up the boundaries and need to protect that, protect that truth. I love it. You guys heard it here. That's Abby Lee on Don't Touch My Mindset, the Amplify Speaker Series. Um, if you, like I said, guys, if this has resonated with you, if this has electrified you, if this has aided and abetted in your growth to you becoming a better person, please, please come join us at the Amplify Workshop. That's a two-day workshop in Arizona, Scottsdale, to be specific. Uh, we're going to be there pouring into you, pouring into your personal and professional growth, helping you be the best version of yourself. Abby, any closing words? Come to Amplify. Let's go. <laughs> and wait, I want to do the, the J sign-off. Okay. Uh, go be amazing on purpose and remember your purpose is amazing.